You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Major League Rugby fans, to another great episode of Run, Pass, or Kick interview. And on this occasion, an opportunity to be able to introduce our player. But before then, let me introduce myself and the team. We got Ty Braga, of course, your host of the Fan Zone. Joining me, we have Rob the Hammer, Hammer Schmidt. And alongside him is Scott Ferrara, the big guy from the Rooney Supporters Club. And of course, the man of the hour, the one who we're putting to the test, Chris Shade of the Gilgronies. Chris, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Excellent. Well, we are going to put you to the test in our run, pass, or kick segment. For many of our viewers of the MLR Rant Panker podcast, you are familiar with this. If you are tuning in for the very first time, I'm going to hand it over to Rob Hammerschmidt to let you know how it works. So, Rob, the floor is yours. Well, run, pass, or kick is our big challenge for all the people that come on and get interviewed on the MLR Rant. And it works like this. If you, I'm going to ask a question. I'll prompt you, run, pass, or kick. If you run, just let us know that you're going to run with the question. And that simply means that you're going to go ahead and answer the question. If you choose to pass, again, let us know. Say, I'm going to pass in this one, and you're just going to not answer that uh, for whatever reason, your choice. Uh, or you can kick the question, and that simply means that you're going to kick it back to one of us. You want, you're interested in seeing what we would say and how we think you would answer. Uh, and uh, if you want to identify one of us, you can. If you don't identify who you're going to kick it to, I'll assume it's me and I'll answer in your place. And you can give us a, an evaluation how well we did uh, with the kick. So you ready to play the challenge? Run, pass, Let's or kick? get it. Yes. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to start off right away with an intense question. Um, we were digging through and uh, we found some uh, leaked footage uh, from some training uh, in Austin. And there was some technique that you were demonstrating on the practice pitch. Uh, I think Scott's queuing it up now. Um, and uh, we're just interested in, in, in getting an idea of what your technique looked like here, what you were thinking, and taking us through the pace so we really get an idea of what a front rower really does in this particular situation. All right, big guy, cue it up for us. You want me to walk you through it right now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. definitely. So I'm going I'm to run with it for sure. I, I mean, anything I do, I have to go big. I mean, whether it's on the field, at training, 
on the slip and slide, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Flipping just, a coin, rolling the dice, taking the tricycle out for a stroll. So that's just <laughs> me trying to go maximum air, maximum effort. Right. And really right. just I give the kids around, the you know, a Ooh, show. I, I, I love the technique. I mean, this is pretty interesting to be able to see this tactic of entering the mole. I mean, do you have more advice? <laughs> I mean, is this how you enter the breakdown? <laughs> so it's a rarity, but sometimes us front rowers do get to score tries. We're surprised by it. So we don't often get the, the athletic dive slide through that but a lot of the prettier guys do. So you got to practice it. Right. Now, now you know, I got to ask you, this, is, this was really my run past or kick question. Uh, so that footage there, you were doing the slip and slide and, and you kind of veered off to the left a little bit head first, a little worried about the neck compression. Um, a lot of pro athletes have uh, clauses in their uh, contracts that they're not supposed to engage in dangerous behavior, you no know, riding motorcycles, mm -hmm. skydiving, things like that. Do you have a slip, slip and slide, slide clause in your contract? Well, I'm a professional at that as well. So there's really no danger. I would say for one of you or one of our listeners to attempt that same thing, then you're getting in the realm of like, could be a dangerous situation, but for myself, that's you know, right? That's this is pride and true. Not, it's practice. Time scenario, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna carry on with the fun here, and uh, you know, uh, I played uh, some rugby here in Chicago with uh, Chicago Blaze RFC Ding, uh, and we we occasionally got a chance to to play your old club, uh, Sayota Valley. Uh, sometimes we'd see him in the playoffs, and here's what I know about men's club rugby: uh, when we go on tour. Uh, things happen, you know, funny stories come about from, uh, you know, the antics and the banter and, you know, the after game activities, right? Run, pass or kick anybody that has, you know, played in a, in a men's club rugby has funny stories. What's your best tour story? Oh man. Uh, tour story. I'd say uh, I have a good one. So for I used to play a good amount of sevens before I got front road when I went from flanker to hooker and then inevitably to prop, which happens to a lot of us. Then my sevens career was kind of nixed. But uh, my first ever tour with Atlantis, uh, we went to Trinidad and Tobago. And me and a, a good friend of mine, Luke Markovich, the tuna, uh, were both there for our first tour with Atlantis. He's actually the, the coach of uh, Notre Dame College women's side now. And uh, for Atlantis, the, the rookies of uh, each tour have to put on some sort of skit, which we did flawlessly. But after the skit, we weren't, you know, we felt like we hadn't done enough for the <laughs> veterans to really show them a good time. So Tuna and I did uh, some Disney acapella, started off with, with some Frozen. <laughs> I think we went to Little Mermaid and it was oh. we just duetted our way through straight to the bars. <laughs> that's probably that's that's a pretty good one on tour i'd say perfect yeah that's usually that's what happens the the rookies get a little bit of uh get some no pun intended shade thrown at them and they have to come up with uh some uh some fun activities for all the veterans to uh applaud and appreciate so moving forward throughout your career uh we'll we'll go straight to your involvement with the austin elite run pass or kick um Teradal Penn, your former owner, uh, was, from what we understand in the rumor and, in, and innuendo, could be pretty difficult and abrasive. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know uh, Adam Scheidler with the Austin Huns. Um, Adam, you know, uh, 
didn't speak on great terms about him and dealing with him. Um, what was it like playing under the Terry Dauphin ownership? I, I actually always, I'll run with it again. I feel like I'm just going to keep running it straight the whole time, like I said before. But <laughs> like um, it, like, I actually had a, a good relationship with Terry. I know a lot of the guys, you know, found him a little difficult to work with. Um, he was definitely uh, the kind of guy who would, you know, be your friend one minute and then turn into like a harsh negotiator when it came to contracts and things like that. But I, you know, I, I don't take that as, as a personal thing. So I always, you know, got on well with him. I say hi to him when I see him out as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's still doing well. And I, this is like a super political answer I'm giving, but that's genuinely, I never had a problem with him at all. Honestly. That's I have okay. a question, Chris. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt real quick. Um, do you think maybe some of the guys took it the wrong way because they just weren't used to, as as everybody, the NFL is famous for guys saying it's a business. Do you think mm-hmm. maybe that was just they they could they couldn't separate the two? Maybe. Yeah, I think that definitely could have been part of it. I mean, I come from when I've had real jobs; they're they're sales related, so yeah. I am really comfortable having those conversations. Uh, I think what confused some of the boys was that you know it was you know a business. A lot of the decisions and conversations that Terry would have, but then he would be around like practices and like when the boys are just hanging out as well. So it was hard for them to separate out that disconnect. Like if he's all business, then maybe he shouldn't be at trainings or whatever right, else. The lines I, were very blurred and it's kind of hard to be right. able to find your role that way. That's, yeah, that's, that's probably a good way of putting it. <laughs> so, so let's move this just a shade forward again, pun intended. Um, Ron Pastor kick. How does the current environment of the Gilgronies differ from that? With you, in your experience, from when you were uh, in the elite program? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's heading in a good direction. Uh, again, honestly, I have nothing but love for the, you know, the whole organization of, of the elite as well. All the owners and everybody I spent time with, I, you know, always had a good time with them, had good relationships. Uh, but I do feel like it's it's heading in a good direction for the Gilgronies. Obviously, there's still a lot of things changing right now. Uh, you know, new coaching staff, probably new administrators. You know, a lot of the guys aren't exactly sure, um, you know, how things are going to look next season for, you know, everybody that heads back to Austin. But, you know, people might think that the marketing is, is a little outlandish, but I think that they seem to know what they're doing. And I think that, you know, Austin and L.A. are both going to be, you know, powerful forces in this league very soon, in my opinion. Cool. And, you know, it's interesting that we're going to see next year Dallas coming into the fray. So we have mm-hmm. a state that has three major league franchises in there. Big state. Uh, yeah, big state. They're going big in a lot of ways. And no doubt rugby, uh, just the same. Uh, in spite of a winless season in 2019 and some challenges in, at the beginning of 2020, you guys beat Houston to secure the Texas Cup. Run, pass, or kick. How important was that win for the team? I'm going to, I'm going to kick one because like, you know, I'm a rebel. I'm a front rower. I got to kick every once in a while. Like we talked about, I think Scott is really like connecting with my vibe. So he's probably going to know like what I'm thinking right now. So I'm going to let him uh, kick it over to him. Uh, Well, to be honest, I think it's, it, for you guys, it's to win the first one. It's huge. And not only that, you saw the momentum build from your first couple of matches in rolling into winning the cup. And I think because of constant changes, I mean, you were the elite, then you were the herd for what, two and a half hours. Then you were the Gilgronies and still <laughs> the University of Texas Colors. That's so much change going on just on the business side. 
I felt it, it it definitely trickles down to the guys. But moving forward, it was like progression, progression, progression. I think uh, winning the Texas Cup was huge for you guys. I think next year you're going to defend it. I think Dallas and Houston are going down. Oh, it's calling the shot, man. Hey, you know, I like it. Here's I'm going to add on to that. Uh, I was paying pretty close attention to that to that match, and I actually saw live there was a bar with a bunch of Gilgronis fans, and the place was electric, which was a very different vibe from what things were like when you guys were at the Elite. I feel like some of the that helped to repair some of the the broken relationships in and around Austin and start to solidify the fan base. Right. You know, for, for me, looking at it as the Texas Cup, you know, you can really find a salvation in the season there. It's a wonderful unifying factor. So there's still something that's credible to win and lose. And the Texas Cup is a great way to be able to build that local rivalry and a rugby culture. So they've started a wonderful tradition. And obviously, that being one of the great triumphs there, you can carry that forward into next season where Dallas is hopefully going to be a part of the same fold there. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But Great, great, nevertheless. Definitely. So I'm going to keep moving forward with uh, the same, you know, some similar questions in and around Austin and the elite and and now the Gilgronies. Um, so during the 2019 season, when you guys, when you were part of the elite, uh, in an episode of, of my podcast, Hammer Rugby, I asserted that the elite struggled in part on the field because many of their players spoke a variety of different languages as their primary language. I felt that this was particularly true at the spine positions, you know, two, eight, nine, 10, 15. Okay. Um, was a language barrier a challenge for the team on the field? Run, pass, or kick? I'll run. Uh, I feel like that was a pretty popular thing that we heard around the league. I really don't think that it was. You're saying in the first year or the second year or both? So 2019. So it would have been, you know, uh, the second, second year. Second MLR year, season yeah. two. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I guess we had, you know, we had a good amount of languages both seasons, the first two seasons, I guess. Um, I, I really don't think it should have a massive impact on things. Uh, you know, we all still, we trained together a lot, especially in that second year. We went totally full time. So guys really weren't working extra jobs. So we were seeing each other more than the majority of the teams out there. And, uh, I, you know, I think it really shouldn't have been much of a factor because we were, you know, you should be able to build a cohesion, you know, whether or not we're all speaking the same language, you know, you still speak the universal language of rugby. There's not a lot of things that we had to communicate to one another on the pitch. Maybe that's different for me because, you know, in the front row, you know, with the backs, I don't know if they had trouble signaling things to one another, you know, whatever they're doing out there. But, you know, for me, I, I didn't really see an, an issue with it for my, you know, general play, I guess. Yeah. No, I understand and that. I appreciate you answering the question because it's always something that I was, it was in the back of my mind as I watched it, that, you know, how much, you know, with communication so critical, you don't have a coach calling the plays like in American football, uh, players have to be able to communicate. I always wondered how much that mm -hmm. might've played into the on-field challenges you guys had in 2019. Um, now, you know, we mentioned Dallas as joining the league uh, next year in 2021, as is the LA Gil uh, Giltinis. Uh, and it's pretty clear that expansion is the future in the league. Uh, right now, we've heard a lot of rumors of teams, particularly of team in Hawaii, uh, but potentially Miami uh, has also been discussed. Um, what city should the league expand to next? Do you think the Hawaii franchise is a legitimate bid contender? 
So I'll run with that one a hundred percent. I'll say, you know, I think Hawaii would, would be cool for sure. It's super expensive, really high cost of living. Obviously the travel expenses would be high, but if the question is where do I think there should be a team next, that answer is easy that it's Ohio. Area. <laughs> really, really Obets, Obets, Ohio, which is where we have where the aviators played where we had more fans with the aviators in, in pro rugby that I played with than still a lot of the MLR teams have. They built a stadium, a rugby specific stadium in Obets the year after uh, the pro rugby season. It would be the lowest cost of living of any city that's currently has an MLR team. It's one of the top 10 most uh, like sought, not sought after, but, one of the best cities for young adults to live into. It's a growing IT market. It's a test market city. So there's this a lot of major companies here. Also work part-time for the tourism board. <laughs> I would. I'm ready. There's, I, I'm actually baffled that there's not a team here yet, honestly. I, yeah, I see it right. as well, – I would be happy with any Midwest team, and I'm pretty right. sure that, that uh, Rob would echo that same theme because there's a bit of a desert in the landscape of rugby yeah. at the moment. Yeah, and I I promised my fiance last year, and then backed out on it a little bit. And ended up going to Austin for a third year that I was going to get closer to Ohio. So you know, I haven't. This isn't like official news yet, I guess. So maybe I'm breaking it right now, but I'm probably not going to be going back to Austin next year, mainly because I am. I'm getting married in September. Austin's an 18 hour drive from uh, Columbus. So right. team coming to Columbus would be ideal for me, but I, you know, I'm going to try and chat to a few of the teams that are at least a little more manageable to get back and forth. Cause once I'm, I wear the bro engagement ring, but it's not technically official yet. Once I'm officially married, I feel like I'm not going to get away with being six months here, six yeah. months there. Uh, t- trust me from a guy who's uh, creeping up on 25 years, you hit the nail on the head, my friend. <laughs> And and by the way, Scott was booing, but you know what? A few episodes back, when we talked about this very issue, he he selected Ohio, right? And Correct. Right of, right because of, that's right the of, thing. Ohio hater. I, I hate Ohio. I hate, <laughs> guess why, Chris Shade? I hate Ohio. Tell me why. Are you a Michigan fan? Yeah. Hell yeah, I am. Back at you, brother. Go blue. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And my there my fiance go. grew up a Michigan fan, but then she went to Ohio State, so she got corrupted. Sure. Like I, it's yeah. It's, and you're marrying yeah. her? Oh man. <laughs> I, her family's Michigan fans, though. So I went, my my wife my wife's Penn State, so I kind of went adjacent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look. Uh, so so it's interesting that um, you're talking about trying to get closer to Ohio obviously, because it's going to make the relationship end of a marriage a lot easier, which is pretty critical. You mentioned that you're engaged. And I, and I noticed that you just got engaged. What January one is that? Is that when you got engaged? No, uh, February of last year, February last year. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to ask you a similar question to that of which I asked uh, your friend, uh, Chance Wegaluski. Um, Our run passer kick. Are you going to be allowed to wear rugby socks? At your wedding, I was going to go no socks. I'll <laughs> run with it. My man Zach Striffler went oh, I, okay. unless they were no shows. He had some some classy like loafers, no socks with like not not capris, but there was like definitely an intentional gap from Urkel, the slacks Urkel. to the shoes, so you could tell. And I was Urkel. vibing hard. <laughs> okay, well, I got to say, uh, your answer is pretty strong. It. it 
Chance came up. He has actually socks with his dog on them. They're pink, by the way. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you guys have a similar style, I think. Uh, you, well, you and when I've had when I've had real like real jobs, it's I'm huge on the fancy sock game. Okay. Like if you're wearing plain black socks to work, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> hey Rob, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Um, we actually have a fan question, so I'm going to bring that up. So uh, all right, Dylan, our buddy Dylan asks, "What match are you most looking forward to next season?" I I don't know because I'm not sure where I'm going to be playing yet. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I guess it, it would be I guess it would be against the Gilgronies if I'm you know if I end up with another oh, team. Right. Nice. Just uh, okay, like just to have a run against the boys. I there like that. Go. Okay, so let's stay on the Gilgroni real quick. Uh, and and perhaps in this one, with this question, you don't care if you offend anybody. Um, run, pass, or kick. Um, you know, there's been a lot of controversy amongst MLR fans uh, regarding the name Gilgronis. It's supposed to be a type of cocktail. We have yet to see what it is. So mm-hmm. let's just say that you were asked to create the Gilgroni cocktail. What would you put in it? Run, pass, yeah, or kick. Yeah, so – I'll, I'll run with it again, man. Going uh, forward all the time, I like it. <laughs> I so I bartended for years, and nice. uh, it, it seemed really evident to me when the name came out, Adam Gilcrest, Gilgroni, that it's a Negroni with his name mm-hmm. in front of it. But okay. for social media, those those dots just never connected somehow. So uh, a Negroni is uh, is gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I. It's that, I guess. <laughs> in Texas, delicious, I, by the way. Who knows how big it's going to be? But I, I mean, I, we don't actually know. They haven't told us. Right. Uh, my guess is that it's it's a liquor company or you know a distribution company that their their other ends of their business are involved in, which I think is people don't like the liquor side of it. But I've definitely you know worn a, a beer or liquor t shirt before I was twenty one or when I was in my youth. So I don't right. think it'll be a, a huge issue marketing tool i mean if you want people to talk about your brand that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened uh so it happens to still going to be going on with the guiltinis now as well yeah well not only that but i assume that they'll be able to utilize both businesses to right. market one another and there'll probably be some the synergy sort of that right off if you're using spending money from one company to you know fund another this yes, is all sir. off the top. I haven't uh, clarified this with any of the. <laughs> it made sense to me right away. I was like, "Oh, yes. <laughs> well, listen, like- the whole rugby thing doesn't work out, or or maybe even you know you might have to jump in like on your uh, wedding night, but uh, you know you can always, I think, jump behind the bar because you sound like you can make a mean ass cocktail. That's for sure. I'm ready. I'll pour st- Jameson straight all night. I'm ready. <laughs> yes, my man. <laughs> wow. You're hitting it hard, my brother. You're hitting it hard. I like to hear that. <laughs> all right. Oh, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, this hasn't been a super serious conversation almost at all. So I'm going to keep it light with this one. Run past the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so run past or kick with this one. If a movie was made about your life in rugby, what Hollywood actor would play you? Now, be careful with the second part here. Mm-hmm. And what Hollywood actress would play your fiance? Run, pass, or kick? Well, they would have to cast her in the role because nobody could do it justice. So <laughs> they'd have to bring her up to the Slick. big leagues because how? Slick. I mean, they can't get there. I somebody's the next camera to her right now. She's on the couch, but exactly. Yeah, she's in the room. Right? in the room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Oh man, who could capture my essence? One of the handsome Ryans. There's so many out there. <laughs> Reynolds, Gosling. I mean, 
One of oh, one of whoa, them whoa, whoa. step up to the plate. Well, <laughs> Ryan Gosling as a prop, he played cornerback in a football movie. He's gonna play prop in a rugby movie. I don't see it. It obviously wasn't his forte, and I've been skinny yeah. before too. It doesn't mean we can't transition. He's been rigged. I see. I he, see. he was a complete I, uh, liability in the backfield for the Titans. I'm just gonna point that out. <laughs> Uh, you know, I was thinking, like, not looks wise, but like humor and just what about I got like Jonah Hill? I'm in. I appreciate you prefacing not looks wise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to say you didn't want me to take it personally, but no, I think no, he's a no, handsome no. guy too. I, you know, I like Jonah Hill. It's like asking yeah. somebody, who's your doppelganger, you know? <laughs> I get the weirdest ones, honestly. I've never had one that I agreed with. I used to get Conan O'Brien all the time, and I was like, I, what? <laughs> I did have a child once when I was at Vegas Sevens tell me that I looked like I could be a mix of Conor McGregor and Brock Lesnar. And I was Jeez. like, Thank you. I'm like, who in the tourism business is paying you to be? I have a big ginger beard when I grow it out. I was thinking about dying it black that night. I don't remember why, but I was like, changed my mind. Big Conor McGregor. I'm like five, nine. So not really, but like big ish, at least. Wider. We have another question, another fan question. Uh, yeah. Here we go. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Uh, what will you be wearing or will you be wearing Gilgroni's kit uh, at the wedding? Or are you going to go like with a big hat? Would you do any kind of burnt orange coat, cowboy boots? Uh, I would go with all of those things because they sound just classic style. I have no control over my wardrobe at the wedding, though. I've been assured of that. <laughs> I'll probably have. I mean, I could rock a pair of like Gilgroni budgies underneath. I'll probably have yes. Oh, there on, you go. So there you go. Get with noodle, get with noodle bags. Get with noodle Absolutely. bags. Get some Gilgroni stuff. There you go. Perfect. There you go. So, so here we we've been talking a lot about Austin, and we know that Austin is uh, known as being the epicenter for music. You know, with the South by Southwest Festival. Is it true that there are only two kinds of music: country and western? Run, pass, or kick. Is it true that there's only two types of music? Ty, handle that for me. I'll Western. kick it over to Ty. <laughs> Is it true that there are t- <laughs> Man, okay. First of all, you're asking somebody, if I had to go down to a music festival like that, a music that is not ever heard anywhere in South Africa is country music, right? So I think that that to me is, is my wife loves it. I'm in Iowa. I've had to embrace it. I've had to learn that it's all about drinking beer, having a good time. You lose your house, you call your dog. It's fine. <laughs> you still got beer and good times. <laughs> you have a dog, your dog. Music. I would like, never guess that. Backwards, you get your house, your wife, and your car back. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say, for how much Honko loves country music, I'd be bad oh, yeah. to hear that it's not. And I've played with a bunch of South Africans before and after him, and I guess I've never talked to them about country music, but right. my man loves it. We don't know, and we like look at it as like a cautious observer. You're like, why am I being lured strangely towards this music? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wouldn't dare tell Honko that there's uh, other types of music besides country and Western for fear he'd hog tie me and then, you know, <laughs> pistol whip me or something like that when we're all done. <laughs> oh, that guy's a freaking beast. Uh, all right. Uh, one last you know question I have interest in, and we'll be a little bit more serious here. Uh, anyone that's followed the U.S. Eagles in the last 10 years knows Todd Clever uh, and his personality as a player. What's he like as a boss when, when, he, when you were at Austin? Run, pass, or kick. 
I'll run with it. Uh, I, I like Todd a lot. I respect him a lot. Uh, the first year was, you know, I guess a little different because obviously he was, he was playing a little bit as well. Um, even in, you know, I think where Todd really put on the administrative hat a lot was when we first transitioned from elite to, to the herd. And even though, you know, like Scott said, it only lasted for a few hours there, which we loved by the way, because that just meant we got an extra photo shoot. <laughs> was getting in front of the camera twice before one season. It was perfect. But, uh, you know, I think Todd and that whole, you know, team, Drew, um, Paul, they, you know, they all did a great job and, and really showed, you know, how much they cared about the program, how much they wanted to bring in the community. And I was just really impressed by the, the all-around effort of those guys. And, you know, Todd was obviously a big part of that. Well, hey, Chris, I tell you what, this has been – absolute a ton of fun to hang with you for for uh the last half an hour here and we uh we appreciate you coming on i think ty wants to talk a little bit about um the next component of of uh our guests that come on ty take it away well excellent first of all thanks a lot again chris for joining us here i'm i can say that we've had a lot more fun than we anticipated we uh we enjoy every moment of it so thanks an insult sure that the viewers <laughs> will as well but one of the great things that we enjoy doing as well is be able to uh, cast some uh, some light on some of the charities that are around and meaningful to some of our hosts, to some of our guests, as well as some of our viewers. One of those is Feeding America. It is an important time to be able to give back if you have the ability to do so. So we're going to go ahead and post a link in the description of this video so that you, should you feel moved to do so, will go ahead and use that link to be able to donate. It will make a difference in somebody's life who needs it most when they need it. And uh, I believe that uh, Chris has been happy enough to be able to offer us a jersey that you will sign and send to somebody to be able to give them a chance to win that. All you need to do is to be able to donate whatever amount you feel is fair, send a image of that donation to us to be able to validate your entry. And Chris has been kind enough to be able to donate a jersey that he assigned to somebody who will be raffling it off to. So again, great effort there. Wonderful way to be able to give back. So Chris, from myself, Scott, Rob, all of us from the MLR Ranch podcast show and our viewers, thanks for joining us, bud. Thank you, Chris. Thanks very much. It's been a blast. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.